Michael, we were talking, and uh, this is going to be part two of the interview from the lead-in. Uh, sure. Folks at home, bear with us. Uh, normally, uh, all of us who have podcasts are in studios, or we have a better way of doing this, and now we're having to do it either by Zoom or by phone, and, and uh, the technology, I think, is struggling a little bit, so it's all good. Uh, we're going to pick up, Michael, you were just talking about uh, this being a test for all of us and that people are praying of course, but then, and then what, what was the thought you wanted to finish? Yeah. And, and I think it's important to appreciate how you internalize that prayer, um, that, that it becomes more than just words, uh, and that you, you connect it, uh, it becomes part of the connective tissue of your being, if, if you will. Um, and so that's been a challenge because this is such a distraction. You're concerned about your own health. You're concerned about the welfare, welfare of others. You're, you've been locked and sheltered in for you know 24 hours a day with with kids that get tired and rambunctious or mm-hmm. with a, a mate that becomes quite frankly a pain in the behind and 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 <laughs> and, and, and prayer suffers uh, from that it yeah. really does yeah. um, and but that's that's the that's the strength and the beauty of prayer at the same time is that find that that calling space where you can sit and just kind of chill in the moment and and just be reflexive sometimes it's not about the words sometimes it's just about being still and just being present um and just listening listening quietly sometimes the lord will speak to you in the in the in the cry of a child um and or in in the words of of a family friend or you know in that moment you're talking to your your husband or your wife or your maiden and they say something and you go ah you know so i i think that you know the 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 anxiety of the virus can get us caught up in the virus and 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 all the circumstances surrounding it that are impacted by it um and so in the, as as easter comes upon us and uh we have the next eight weeks of the easter season uh, to that will lead to Pentecost. Use that time um, to to also reflect on on the journey so far and and, and sort of put in the proper place all the externalities that yeah. are going on around you. Um, at least that's how I'm trying to do it and and to stay focused on 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 that vocation that you have with the Lord to be present and to be of service. Right. Um, and and I think I think that that for me at least has been uh, one of the the finer ways of kind of dealing with c- coronavirus. I think that's great spiritual advice, and and I I love this part of you because people don't get to hear and and see this part of Michael Steele that the rest of us who've known you for a long time know. And I want to segue uh, Michael to two things big in the headlines right now before we talk about some of the larger issues. Um, First, this past week, uh, week number three of jobless reports staggering again, 6.6 million on top of the 6.1 million the week before and the three point something million the week for that. So we're looking at 16 million unemployed Americans right now. Can you put that into context for us? What what's what's happening here? Uh, this actually goes to the point I was just making. Um, that's an externality that has a direct impact on people. So it's not just the virus and the fears, uh, you know, attendant to that, but it's also the reality that I'm, I no longer have a job. 
uh, or I just had to fire my entire staff or my business uh, has been sh shuttered uh, and I don't know if I'll get to reopen it. That's, that's, that has ramifications beyond just the, the personal. Um, it becomes certainly much more communal uh, in the way that you again realize how connected we all are. And we are, we are struggling as a country to deal with that. Um, I, I don't want to make this so much political, but um, you know, the, the lead up to this could have been a little different. The, the, the resolute nature of uh, dealing with this could have been uh, a little bit uh, different for sure. But here we are now. And so the question becomes, how do uh, our elected officials pull together resources and put them in space and time for people to access real time. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, jobs num the job numbers are the glaring manifestation of this new reality. We've shed, you know, 16 million jobs um, and you're going to be looking at an unemployment rate pushing 10% um, by the time this old thing is over, if not higher. Um, and the one thing we know, uh, Sophia, for those who have, you know, uh, 401ks and retirement uh, funds who are in the market, Wall Street giveth, um, uh, but yeah. it takes away a lot faster. Sure does. And, and so you've seen, you know, people lose, you know, 30, 40, even 50% of their earnings, their savings. Um, and, and then on top of that, they've lost their job. Or on top of that, they've had to close a business. So the economy is, 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 is taking a lot of incoming right now. And again, the resiliency of the American people is that we will find a way through because we do. That's what we do. But we also have to re realize that there's, there's going to be pain. And, and I, I kind of understand a little bit of the president's sort of, you know, the glass is half full. But I think I'd like to acknowledge first that it's half empty. Yeah. yeah. And, and because... In, in each of our crises, and I, I guess I get it, uh, Sophia, but I've never understood this, the, the modern day mindset of the American presidency to think that they have to coddle as opposed to be, to be strong and stern. Right. Right. So when I, I look at, to, you know, uh, the 9-11, what, what were we asked to do as the American people? Go shopping. When you look at the economic crash in 2008, what were we asked to do? Oh, buy a hoopty, buy a car, and now you know, you know we're being we're being told, oh, you know, go to church on Sunday. You know, we'll be able to get back together again. Yeah. Um, th that's not. I I like the aspirational aspect of that, but the reality of it is that's not going to happen for a while. And if we can just be honest about our condition where we are, right, right, I think right. we can deal better with what we have to do to make it better. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's a perfect segue to the next topic I want to cover, which has been in the headlines. And, you know, you and I have talked about this many times over drinks or just talking about there often seem to be two Americas, one black and one white. And uh, this week, the health disparities issue is front and center. And how many African-Americans, as both you and I are, are dying disproportionately from COVID. And you could see from the president on down. Dr. Fauci wasn't surprised. Dr. Burks wasn't surprised because this is what they do every day. But there have been health disparities for decades, forever, since yeah. slavery. 
And it seems that the country, once again, is clueless. Well, why are black people being disproportionately affected like this? (laughs) I had some really ignorant comments on my Facebook page that upset me. Like, well, what does race have to do about it? Why are you guys always talking about race? Michael, can you put the health disparities in context the best you can? Why is this happening? I know you're not a doctor, but I know you understand the issue. Yeah, it, it and, and it, it does speak to how, that question, why is it always about race, speaks to an underlying idea that um, it isn't about race. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's, and, and yet it is because... Uh, you have within the black community this this systemic issues of the lack of access to a port appropriate and affordable health care. It just is. Coupled with uh, uh, a community where there's a disproportionate um, amount of underlying illnesses and ailments from uh, diabetes to hypertension to um, you know heart attacks, et cetera. Um, when you have this kind of uh, health crisis, yes, it's going to impact that that community. The yeah. truth of the matter is, I would probably uh, wager that if you go into Appalachia, you would see the same kind yes. of numbers for poverty. So, white for poverty. Yeah. So, so yeah. that, in one sense, is where it's not about race; it's about access. It's about poverty. Um, but then, in another another um, uh, vein, it is to the extent that historically, as you referenced, since the days of slavery, that has been the Achilles' heel. That as much as society has progressed, and as much as society at, at certain point has turned away from uh, segregating the black person from the culture, the society, the economics, Mm -hmm. and deciding, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll integrate you. They've done so at a half step. It has not been this full sort of full-throated integration of the black community. So there there, there are some some realities there that we have to come to grips with. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember um, having the conversation as national chairman in pushing back on on Obamacare, yes, I pushed back on the role the government was planning to play in the relationship between my doctor and myself. So I wasn't happy about that. But then I raised right. in looking at Obamacare, it didn't address the underlying healthcare disparities in the black community. It sort of treated all communities the same. And that's right. just not true. It just is Absolutely. not the same for a, for for people who live in Ward 8 in Washington, D.C., as it is for my parents who live in Ward 4. It just is not the same for the people who live in, in you know, uh, Harlem, you know, back in the day, because Harlem is now more right. gentrified than anything else. Right? Absolutely true. Um, but that, but Michael, that you know, for people in other, you know, wealthier communities. You know, interestingly, um, there was, again, Facebook is an interesting place for stupidity. And uh, someone made a comment about, well, why aren't the black people just social distancing? To which I fired back, look, um, I live in Loudoun County, Virginia, the richest county in America. So do you, this person who commented. And I said, I've got a 4,000 plus square foot house with two people in it. Most people live in a 600 square foot apartment or you know, 800 square foot and they've got five people in it, four or five people in it. You know what I mean? It's it's the ignorance of the privilege that we have 
uh, when we live in the burbs and when we have good jobs and money that we assume everybody lives that way. Right. And that's or, just or, not true. Or worse, worse, not assuming everyone lives that way, they question why they don't live that way. And right. I'm like, well, that's because right. you have the income to live where you live in Loudoun County. Absolutely. How about you do this? How about you pack your stuff up and go, <laughs> and go live and go live in a 600 square foot yeah. apartment with yep. four people yep. and then and tell me, dog. then talk to me about social distancing. Yeah, and that's <laughs> how I hit back respectfully. But I, I want to segue again. Um, these, this is good stuff and I appreciate your insight on that. I want to talk about, um, in the time we've got left, I want to talk about uh, this coronavirus and the impact that it has had on our politics. Uh, you saw that this week again, Bernie Sanders finally dropped out of the Democrat race yeah. for president. Um, I want to get your thoughts on now that we know it's going to be Biden and Trump. What is this virus? Uh, how's it impacting? Because my fear is, Michael, and I've heard a lot of people talk is we're not seeing Joe Biden at all. He can't raise money. He can't be on television. Um, they're talking about the Democratic Convention being virtual. I mean, this virus is doing damage to our ability to, to, to run our elections, to choose candidates. What? How's this going to impact the 2020 race? Oh, thoughts? it's going to have an impact. There's no doubt about it. And then let me just start off the, right off the top so everybody listening will know. The president is wrong. I will not call him a liar. I'll be polite. But he is wrong when he says that vote by mail is cheating. Absolutely. If it is cheating, then the president himself has cheated because he just received his vote by mail ballot last week at the White House. And our military that votes by mail. And our military votes by mail. So this idea that vote by mail. But here's the here's the canard that's been exposed. The, the, reality, the reality is, and the president said it, truth always finds a way to, to see the light, that the thinking among some inside the GOP is they can't win an election if everybody votes. Mm-hmm. What does that, and what does that say? That's, That's so instead, sad. Instead of, instead of them taking that, taking that point and going, damn, what does that say about us? Yep. They're like, all right, then we'll just shut down that everybody won't be able to vote. Yep. So, yes, coronavirus has changed the, the landscape on healthcare front, economic front, and now on the ballot front, on, on the voting front. Yeah. Every state, I've been, I've been pushing this effort as chairman of the U.S. Vote Foundation uh, and working with right uh, organizations like uh, R Street and left organizations like uh, Democracy USA and others to um, push the states to open up their process that there is, they do away with no excuse vote by mail or absentee balloting because we've already seen what the future looks like. It was called Wisconsin this past Tuesday. Yeah, awful. Just where awful. people are standing in lines in masks and gloves six feet, feet apart, some not so covered because either they don't have access to masks and gloves Absolutely. Uh, and they still want to exercise the franchise. We can avoid harming people's health and putting them in uh, peril by just sending them a damn ballot and letting them check the boxes they want to check and put the ballot in the mail and they're done. This is not cheating, folks. And please stop buying into and spreading that lie. If, I, you. if you request a ballot from your board of elections and you receive that ballot 
and you put that ballot back in the mail, that's not cheating. That's called voting. Absolutely. So coronavirus, coronavirus is going to change the landscape. As to Joe Biden, Joe Biden now has the power and position to be the counterweight to the president. He couldn't before. He had to sort of stand down because he was still involved in a primary campaign. He had a candidate standing over his shoulder that he had to contend with. He could not be or nor act like the 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 putative uh, nominee of the party. So he had to dial it down. Now he doesn't. He can get out in face, in space, in force and be a counter voice to whatever the president's saying on his daily briefings, etc. And I think you will see that because the general election for the presidential uh, race in 2020 has officially begun as of uh, this past Thursday. So um, th- that's that's the new reality that we're going to see play itself out in the months of May, June, and July. Yes, the convention may be virtual. It may not be. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is you will have the run-up that you need, uh, the Democrats will need uh, to put on a competitive campaign. The money will flow to the campaigns um, and the resources will be there. They are now sort of un- unstrapped from being kind of locked in the way they were in the primary process. Now, Michael, you're kind of breaking up again, so you stay tight. Stay just where we are, the phone, I think, uh, it's. Uh, can you hear me good? Oh, okay, I hear good. you fine. How, now, how am I sounding? Yeah, no, no, you sound good, actually. So I'm going to just, this last part, there was some breaking news this morning. Um, a new CNN poll of registered voters, which I think is interesting versus likely. But Biden is up 53% to Trump 42%. That poll was released this morning. And I want to get your thoughts on a poll of registered voters that has the vice president up by you know, almost roughly 10, 11 points. It's a nice, it's a nice poll, but registered voters don't vote. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Right. In other words, a registered voter is not someone you can't necessarily say that person is going to vote. They're just, it's like, it's like someone who's registered, but they haven't voted in the last three elections. Mm-hmm. They're still registered, but they haven't voted. Um, so, likely voting uh, numbers give you a better sense of what's actually likely to happen and where voters are, but not to just out, outright dismiss that number, uh, 53% of registered voters saying that they support um, um, Biden. Biden gives me uh, the idea that likely voters, that number will be higher. Interesting. And, and so that, that, that can, in some sense, serve as a bellwether of, of where the population of likely voters um, uh, are. Um, and, and so if, if, the number, if the number were lower, then it would tell me that likely voters are probably leaning more towards Trump, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a bad so- number, though, for an incumbent president to be at 42, 43. And I've seen this in other polls. You're right. Likely voters, he might be up somewhere in the 47 range. But he's struggling to get over that 50 percent mark in any poll I've ever seen. Yeah, that's very true, and 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 when you consider when you look at other presidents in the, in the midst of their crises, their numbers have been in the seventies. Yep, Trump is barely hitting fifty percent. Uh, 
his and and again it, it's just because he gets in the way of his own narrative and that's look these daily press briefings that he's been doing I was just going to ask you about those go ahead let's talk about the, the White House they're just nothing and... more than, than rallies for him yeah yeah. he's there he's talking about you know he's number one on Facebook and you know people like me and why aren't you asking me nice questions and nasty reporters you're a nasty reporter and you know you're fake news and so he's throwing out all the memes from his from his rallies, uh, and he's getting he's getting they're going two hours for heaven's sake. I know. And I know. and he and he and he's and he's getting off on it. This is his this is his candy. He's loving it. We're not served by. It.